Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. extra time i'm your host chris uh with me this week i've got justin all right all right chris how are you very good thank you it's always bright and sunny where you're sat yeah i've got the sun coming directly in in the living room windows and uh it's it's a <laughs> lovely winter day oh very nice brian you're back in that cell of yours <laughs> i was in i didn't actually realize until i until i listened back to the podcast i didn't know what you meant and then i realized listen clothes hooks on the wall yeah so it looks really it looks really bad but... when oh, you've left it in the last week haven't you yeah I, I, well, those yeah. those hooks are for clothes yeah <laughs> yes it's good to know yes <laughs> nothing nefarious here all right good it's not an insight into your life we wish to and <laughs> uh, we've got jesse too he's not doing it I'm only going to attempt it. It's, you know, I normally get it horribly wrong. I don't want anyone to moan at me on Twitter. I can't. I can't even do Jesse's accent. No. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, right, guys. This week we're going to be talking uh, the Premier League action that's happened this week, uh, FA Cup action that's happened, and previewing the games coming up this weekend. So there is only one place to start, uh, and in homage to our both our resident uh, podcast host and longtime listener. Uh, also, as well, Alan Marshall, the um, tube-driving mole uh, on the London Underground. We're going to start with Watford versus Chelsea. Ryan. Oh, God. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan. Right, OK, I've written some notes down here, but okay. you you have a little vent, if you like. Vent. Well, OK, so I was, I was sort of expecting us to be sitting here talking about Conte no longer being in a job, but that, that's obviously not happened. Um... I think two bad results don't mean managers that should get sacked, but I think it's the manner of the defeats to lose to Bournemouth in the way that we did, um, and then to Watford in the the capitulation, and the fact that Bakayoko has been terrible all season. Conte still picked him. Um, you signed Danny Drinkwater for thirty million, and don't play him with the person that he won the league with. It just seems a bit bizarre. Um, it's definitely a lineup issue, and we've let more people go out on loan. He he apparently let Mitchy Batshuayi sort of he, he was going to put him in the first eleven, and then suddenly, like he didn't expect it to happen, Batshuayi left, and he had no option but to put Hazard up front without putting Giroud on. Which I, I don't know. I just don't know what he, what is going through his mind, and I think he's lost it at this point. Do you think he wants to get sacked? I don't think he wants to get sacked, but he definitely won't be there next season. Right. I, I can't imagine. He's He says he wants to see out his contract, but I can't imagine the club would 
would stick with him. And it, you know, again, the thing is, he he did so much for us last season. But at what point, as a manager, do you think right? I need to change my formation and my lineup. Do you want to hear some team Bakayoko stats? Oh, yes. Okay, so he was sent off with two yellow cards after 30 minutes. Uh, he had 28 touches of the ball and lost it seven times. Uh, and with 12 passes, he gave the ball away with four of them. The thing is, like he. he... He did look okay last season at, at Monaco, but at the same time, league is not the same standard as the Premier League. No, that's no. harsh, but I think when your player is not playing well and like a new signing, and every and everyone's on his back, all the Chelsea fans hate him. Why continue to play him in the team when you've got viable options on the bench? Uh, Ray Wilkins made a really good point. I think this week he said we let Nathaniel Chalobah go for sort of six to eight million and bought in Bakayoko for 40. They're the same age. Chalabar's got international experience, yes, at youth level, but he's been through every level of, of England international football. It's almost like, why not give him a chance? I can imagine, though, being bought and moving to a new country and trying to settle in with new teammates, new systems, even a new language... Uh, is a very difficult thing to do um, and integrating yourself as well into a clique of a dressing room. I wonder if we've got someone like that on our podcast that's done that previously. Yeah, it is difficult, but <laughs> I have a tiny bit less sympathy sympathy for players uh, at the highest level because there is a whole slew, a whole cadre of, of people at a club like Chelsea whose job it is to help players with that transition, um, not on the pitch, but off it. So he would have had People helping him find housing and uh, setting up basic household accounts for his electricity and his mobile phone and all these things. So they've got people to help with these sort of things. But, but it is unsettling, and it's certainly too early to write off Bakayoko's uh, uh, Chelsea career. The, the interesting thing about it is that somebody decided last year that he was an upgrade on the Manja Matic. Um, and so much of an upgrade that they were fine with letting him go to another top four rival, if not if not title rival, as there are no title rivals this year. Um, Chelsea are in a real fight to stay in the top four now. And, and Manchester United are presumably one of the clubs that are going to take up one of those spots. And, and so to strengthen a rival at the same time as you put all your faith in a new signing, who, as you say, Chris, hasn't had the opportunity to bed in in the league or the country is risky and and it doesn't appear to be well it's not working now um it may still at some point we, we've seen players take a while to settle and produce their best form i mean but it's did he, did he, took a while to i know quite a few people at the time when he joined people were getting on his back and saying well he's not scoring the goals that we'd want and you know it took him a while and it in the same way that mitchy bachelor will you know it's generally taken him a while to get um settled in and it's just i think you know the Matic thing, I can I can sort of understand that because I didn't really rate Matic last year in, in terms of he's he's been better, um, but you know and I think another mistake was David Luiz. Obviously he's had a falling out. He then put him back in the team when he's got Rudiger on the bench. That decision making process doesn't seem to make much sense. Um, yeah. And obviously Conte made a rod for his own back with the Costa situation anyway, which I think has has actually underpinned the entire season at this point. Well, Alan Marshall is driving that tube train and listening to this, and your voice is singing along in his ears, Ryan, and I can see the steam coming out of the side of his head because we're not giving Watford any credit here. It's Javi Garcia's first 
Uh, first home win as Watford manager. And uh, it's Watford's first win in 12 Premier League matches. Um, he's the first Watford manager to win a home Premier League match. So, <laughs> should we give Watford a bit of love, shall we? Uh, it's difficult because I, I sort of had a mini argument with someone about this on Facebook. And someone said, well, you know, it's all about how the, the two clubs, both Bournemouth and Watford, aren't getting the credit that they deserve. And I sort of said, well, no, they are, but at the same time, on paper and, you know, in, in any normal situation, Chelsea should be winning those games. You know, they're both near the bottom of the table and you know, they did play very, very well. You know, Watford played fantastically well, but I think they were aided by very poor Chelsea play. And it, it's always a difficult one where someone says, well, the other team didn't get credit. I think credit where credit is due, they finished their chances really well. But when Jan Matt, the right back, is beating two, three men and then one twoing <clears throat> and, and scoring a goal, you know, there's a slight problem. Like that shouldn't normally happen. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's the the top club losing is always a bigger story than the bottom club winning. Uh, and so in terms of attention and credit, um, it, it's there's always likely to be more focus on Chelsea after a bad result. Not to mention people tend to have more fun with sides suffering a bad result uh, than they do um, giving credit to uh, uh, you know a smaller side getting a great result. Saying that they did they did play outstanding and, and just because they were you know playing a side with ten men, there's no you, you don't automatically win in that situation, particularly when when Hazard drew them level late late on. So to score three times you know in the down down the end closing stages of the match. Um, <clears throat> It was remarkable. Who saw Troy Deeney give the finger after he scored? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no charge. <clears throat> no charge from the FA, though. No. <clears throat> no, not at all. Right. Well, next up for Chelsea is the Nicholas and Nelka derby. Uh, they are home to West Bromwich Albion. Now, right, quiz for you guys. What have uh, AVB, Chris Hutton, Craig Shakespeare, uh, Mick McCarthy, Paolo Di Canio, Roberto Di Matteo all have in common? They all lost their jobs after West Brom games. Well done. <clears throat> I only saw that start earlier, so you know, I can't take too much credit. Because <laughs> well, uh, on the Chelsea subreddit, people are saying um, <clears throat> AVB and Demon Tate lost their jobs yeah. after West Brom. So. Well, Pons has uh, been at the bridge and won with both Crystal Palace and New- Newcastle. No manager has won with three different clubs there. Um, no Morata and, uh, and Andres Christensen. Yes. That's right. He's a down. Andreas. Andreas. And uh, Pedro could well be back. Right. Um, Chelsea have won three Premier League games versus West Brom under contest, conceding no goals. So are we going to see a little revival here? Because uh, West Brom are bottom of the league, aren't they? So if you want to play anybody, uh, the Dunderheads at the very bottom is who you want, isn't it? Yeah, well, you have to think that there will be a response <clears throat> from Chelsea. I mean... People talk in these situations about them not playing for the manager or the manager having lost the dressing room and that kind of thing. But, I mean, even in the occasional cases where that has been true, where the players have genuinely rounded on the manager, they still don't want to actually lose. Um, but, you know, these these top professionals don't want to lose a, a match, a training match. And so they, they certainly do want to win. And um, I, I would think there would have to be some kind of response from Chelsea and it will get them these three points. It's massively needed. Yeah. The thing is with that as well is because if you didn't give 100%, you'd surely still expect 100% of your wages and you're quite happy for people to travel and follow you around the country while you didn't give your all. 
Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't think that happens. I think that happens a, a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of the time where, where, where players are accused of it. I think what does happen in a situation where if we can take for granted that uh, of this hypothetical side, a manager has lost the dressing room, there will be... Um, the, the same effort to win the match will be there, but the, but the same effort in training might not be there or the same focus on uh, some of the aspects players need to, to handle to be prepared to play, things like that. But but come 3 o'clock on Saturday or whatever time kickoff is, I think even in those cases, players are still are still playing to win in, in the overwhelming number of cases. Okay. Uh, and next, what for away in the... Um... Oh, they're not away to West Brom and Jalvin. Who are they away to? I was going to say, Chelsea are playing West Brom. Chelsea play West Brom. Bugger, I always do this. I oh, know. If only this information were available somehow. I know. <laughs> easy to find for Where's Tim Berners-Lee when you need him? Bugger. Right. We'll put some like, lift music in. West Ham. There. West Ham. In the Alan Devonshire derby. That's right. I knew I wrote that down. I wrote WBA instead of W stroke ham. Uh, right. Watford have got 17 fit players only to choose from. Um, Pep Guardiola would be happy with that, wouldn't he? Um, West Ham, who've signed Patrice Evra. Is that the way you'd want to be going as a football club? No, he's, he's, he's quite a bit past his prime. Uh, but what a player like that does bring... Um, is league and Champions League winning experience, um, having played in the very biggest moments that you can play in, international experience, World Cups and Euros, etc. So they might be looking for a short-term um, stopgap approach on the pitch and an influence in the dressing room with some of the younger players or some of the lesser celebrated players that are in that club. Okay. Um Mark Wynortovich and Mikel Antonio are doubts. David Moyes has never lost at home versus Watford. And West Ham are unbeaten in, in four at home. Um, and Watford, out of the last 30 available points away from home, have only taken five. So is this a, a West Ham gimme, is it? No, I think that, you know, obviously Watford are going to be on a bit of a high from the, the Chelsea game, which I think will sort of carry through to that West Ham game. I, I think it's probably going to be more likely a draw. Okay. Um, with Patrick Severa and Stuart Pearce being at West Ham, who's the best left back they got at the club? Patrice Ever. Really? If, if we're talking right now, <laughs> yes. Do, do that. Well, I, both in I, their I prime. Spoke, in their prime, yeah, I would take Ever every time. Um, I like pace in an outside back, and I would. But but uh, Stuart Pearce had a great career, but I know whose trophy collection, medal collection, I'd prefer. Yeah, Jimmy Troy's got a Champions League medal there. I know, I know. That's not the end all be all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. We also had the FA Cup this week. Swansea beat North County eight one. If that was on the video printer, they'd write the number eight next to the um, the word eight next to the number, wouldn't they? <laughs> uh, seven changes from the draw with Leicester at the weekend. Um, Tom Carroll with an absolutely gorgeous goal towards the end, wasn't it? And Tammy Abraham scored for the first time in 14 games. Can you learn a lot from a game like this or is it just you just happen to click on that particular night? I think it's also the level of the opponent, isn't it? They are third in League Two, aren't they? Notts County. They're doing all right this season. Oh, agreed. You know, but I mean, at the end of the day, League Two versus Premier League, you, even with how bad Swansea have been uh, at points this season, you'd you'd like to think they should be thumping teams in League Two. I was, I was actually, then. I was a little bit. Uh, no disrespect to Notts County, but I was a little bit pleased with that result because they're who put 
my old side, Bournemouth, out of the FA Cup this season. So <clears throat> Shot and I didn't mind seeing them taking a talking. <laughs> do you still look for Bournemouth's results? I do, yeah, yeah. They, they they put a lot of the matches on YouTube. They put the highlights on, and so I subscribe to their YouTube channel and watch them. And I actually tweeted one yesterday, I think it was, and, and said, uh, trust me, this is not what this pitch looked like in 1991. It's amazing pitch technology today. When you watch matches from the 70s or 80s, and they were just these massive slabs of mud. And there's nothing like that anymore. Even non-league grounds, they, they somehow have learned how to grow grass. Well, well, that hasn't, hasn't say, isn't there a big conversation at the moment about, um, I can't remember who's, who are Tottenham playing in the FA Cup next? Rochdale. Isn't there a big thing about their ground or something? Just go at their pitch. I, I to, Pochettino said something about um, there's a ground that's it's hazardous to the players or something like that. I can't remember. Dave. No, well. He's getting his excuses in early. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So whose results do you look at for first, Dunfermline or Borenwood? I look out for Dun. Uh, sorry, for for Bournemouth first. Really, um, I never played for the first team at Dunfermline Athletics, so I don't really consider them a former club. But they were good to me, and I had a good year there. But um, if I'm honest, um, they're not really a, a former club. They're just a a place I was for a while. Okay. Uh, well, look next for West Ham. They're home to not West Ham. I don't know, again Swansea. They're home to Burnley. Uh, Burnley have got no win in the Premier League in nine. They drawn five and lost four. Uh, although Swansea have lost their last three at home in the Premier League versus Burnley. So uh, rejuvenated Swansea. Who saw Carlos Carvajal hand out food to the press today, this week? Yeah, he did. <laughs> what was it? Um... Portuguese tarts. Portuguese tarts. That's Come food, on. Ryan. That is. Yes. Uh, Pastillas de Nata, I think they're called. Mm. They look quite nice, didn't they? Yeah. it's. I think it's nice when, when managers do something like that. I know that um, sometimes you've seen like managers bringing like a glass of wine. I know there's some, loads of stuff at Christmas time with managers um, looking to give the journalists something when they turn up. It's sort of nice. He looks a bit like Tom Sizemore, doesn't he? Who? Carlos Carvajal? Yeah. I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> you would, you would, you would if you saw him, Ryan. He's an actor. What's his name? I'll, I'll Google while you continue on with uh... Tom Sizemore. He was in Saving Private Ryan and Heat, wasn't he? Uh, he's been in loads of other things as well, hasn't he? Can't think what else. Um, so how do you think this um, one's going to go then? It's a difficult one um, because you know the, the stats seem to suggest that it's going to be a Burnley win but probably not by a, by a great margin do you think well it could only win? it could only be 1-0 if Burnley win <laughs> they well, cannot you... score goals and and I said this I've said this on the pod a few times it's a miracle their position in the table given their their lack of goal scoring they get more out of a goal than any side in the league if they get a goal they won't lose they'll, they'll either win 1-0 or draw 1-1 uh, but they're just as likely to not score and then thereby lose so I don't see how they can keep this up for an entire season, but thus far, when they've managed to score a goal, they've somehow got a point or even three out of it. I think you're doing Swansea a bit of a disservice there, Ryan. I think they've sort of rejuvenated a bit under Carvalho, yeah, haven't they? they have, but I mean, it's sort of in, in historical stats. Okay. What you said Swansea, but I think... But I, I was going to say, I think it points to a, a Burnley win, sort of a small one, but I actually think Swansea can give them a game and maybe pick up a point, which is what they desperately need uh, yeah Swansea are at the relegation zone on goal difference at the moment um, 
Burnley. <laughs> Burnley a seventh, Justin. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it is. I mean, if you've got that, you've got it in front of you. Off the top of my head, have they scored something like 22, 23 goals in twenty five played? I can't see that. All I can see is got a goal difference of minus two. Yeah, but I mean that's an amazingly good goal difference too, considering how few they've scored. They obviously don't concede many. And that's that's been their their secret, their formula to stay up this season, stay in the top half even. Yeah, well, they're nine points behind Arsenal in sixth, but you know it's a bit like last year when West Brom was sort of in that ceiling that everybody reached. Um, also in the cup this week, we had Spurs to Newport nil, Dan Butler own goal. Uh, rather unfortunate in the Justin Edinburgh derby, and Eric Lamella scored a second one. Um, kind of professional, but not too exciting, wasn't it? Uh, Fernando Llorente missed. He was sort of like Stefan Giverash, risen from the dead, wasn't he? He, he missed all sorts of chances. <laughs> Very young Fernando like, Llorente. Like. Sounds like me today at football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you scored, didn't you? One. Yeah. That's it. There you go. Uh, right, so Newport have earned approximately £700,000 from this cup run and they took over 7,000 fans to Wembley apparently um, Right, should we talk about Deli Alley, who's been in the news a little bit this week <laughs> Right, yeah. I didn't actually see it Have you not I seen the video? I haven't seen, I haven't I haven't seen, seen a picture I've seen a picture I've it. seen a photo of the video Deli Alley, uh, for those of us who haven't seen it um, <laughs> has had a photograph or been filmed uh, enjoying himself with a lady is probably the best way of putting it. Filming some antics. Yeah, filming some antics with uh, a, um, a member of the opposite sex, uh, with I'm sure who's, he's having a deeper, meaningful relationship with. So, um, I think did a Liverpool fan find this after probably <laughs> after Wouldn't the draw last week? I think they did, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, is this much ado about nothing, or is it you know the moral decay of our society? As played through a Spurs footballer. Well, I think there's there's a lot been said about Deli Ali um, before, and you know, and even in the past couple of weeks. But I think I can't remember who said it. I think it was on one of the BT things, and they said, I think this is a turning point for for Deli Ali, where he, he he can either sort of stop doing all these little silly things that keep popping up every so often um, on the pitch and off it. You know, sort of sort of sort his attitude out. And, and sort of go on and become a great player and, and sort of you know, have loads of success. Or he continues getting, finding himself in these positions and end up fading away into nothing. Because he, he's not had a great season. No. So, you know, it's, it's already starting to look like you know, if, he, if he doesn't sort of change his ways or, or get back to form, he, he might end up being one of those players that sort of had so much hope for. And maybe that's why. Maybe that's one of the reasons why. So he's had a bad season, and obviously little things like this keep coming up, which doesn't help. Okay. And have we seen the comments that Pochettino and Wenger made about English players diving, uh, it being clever or part of the game or something like that that they've been saying this week? I haven't, but I'm not surprised. I I saw a lot of reaction um, at the weekend when there was a few sort of dives and people were saying, well, it's an English player, so no one will actually complain if it was a foreign player. You can guarantee that. It's a, they're conning the ref, they're cheating the ref. So these foreigners okay. just did. You see what they're doing? They're coming over here and teaching us bad ways. Taking our jobs. Taking our um, jobs, yeah. Did Pochettino, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, did he say something like a generation ago, um, tricking the 
referee wasn't seen as any different than tricking an opponent with with some sort of piece of skill, a step over a pullback or something, and you trick trick your opponent. And so so players from some cultures um, have approached um, the darker arts with that in mind. They don't think of it so much as as cheating or conning the opposition or supporters. They just are sort of trying to trick the actual referee. Um, and I'm not I'm not saying that to defend it. I'm just saying that that that, that um, for people who see it that way, that that's why there's not such an outcry. I think genuinely, like Jesse's not here, but if she were here, she would remember the Suarez incident from the World Cup, where he put the ball over the bar with his hands and then celebrated when um, the resulted penalty was missed. They, there's a lot of people who don't consider that cheating. They consider it a a risk that you take, whether or not you get away with with conning the referee. And if you don't, well, they missed the penalty, so in the end, um, he still got away with it. It's 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 interesting though because there's people have such a distaste for it, and like we saw, somebody wrote a really good article this week. Maybe it might have been David Priest um, about why spitting causes such revulsion, and everybody wants spitting out of the game. Everyone wants diving out of the game, and yet what is still in the game year after year after year? Leg breaking challenges. Um, you look at the, the the challenges that have gone in on Kevin De Bruyne in just the last the, the last couple of weeks. And you don't see the same um, moral outrage over those for whatever reason. Is there a difference between a player diving and a player uh, kicking the ball out for a throw and appealing to the referee that he wasn't the last person that touched it? Not fundamentally. Not not you know just strictly um, in a prosaic sense. They are both an attempt to uh, con the referee. It's just that the the consequences of one are much more serious than the other. And so you're trying to actually get a penalty, you know, by diving and and most likely score a goal. And so you could just say that the consequences are, are greater, but it is fundamentally the same thing. I could see you sucking your teeth in, Ryan, thinking about it. <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking with someone, I can't, again, I can't remember where I saw it, but someone, someone made a really good point about diving and saying, a player, if, it, if they're caught diving in the game, they get a yellow card. If the referee doesn't catch them and the tribunal afterwards deems that they've dived, they get a two-game ban. But why? Why are they different punishments? The reason it's still happening is that they brought this banning process in to stop people from diving. But it's almost like dive. Make it obvious to the referee that you have dived. If he's not going to, you know, if he's not going to give you a penalty, then sort of get yourself booked for it. And then in the match report, you then don't get banned for two games. Did you, argue, did you argue on Facebook about this? No, I didn't. Not this time. <laughs> you know, it's a, there's an interesting thing that happens in regards to conning referees. There, there are times the referee gets something wrong, and you, you actually, and it benefits your side, but you sort of want him to have gotten it right, and that is when you're a goalkeeper, and you may know this, Chris. Actually, we spoke about this, and you make a save, and the referee doesn't notice it. You, you tip a ball over the bar or around the post with just the slightest of deflections, and he gives a goal kick. And that's a bit of a double-edged sword because you don't want a corner, but you want everyone to know that you've made a good save there. Mm. And um, for anyone listening who who wants neither the corner awarded but does want the credit, what you do is as you set the ball for your goal kick, just before you take it, you make that, that little gesture that referees make with their hands to show that a deflection has been made. 
and then you take your goal kick, and that way everyone knows that you actually saved it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, next up, Spurs is a small matter of the North London derby. It's on BT Sport, Ryan, on Saturday. Um, Lucas Moura is a doubt uh, to make his debut. Uh, Jesse, we're happy because Toby Adavel the Rild is back. Um, Pete checks it out for Arsenal. Kane's got six in six in the Premier League versus Arsenal. Uh, and Spurs have only lost one out of the last seven for them. It's a gimme, isn't it? <coughs> Czech was supposedly back in full training um, as, of, as of this morning. I don't know if that means he'll be fit to play. Um, but, no, uh, Bangor will still pick a spinner anyway. Yeah, 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 good point. It's impossible to say with any game involving Arsenal because they're as, as capable of, of losing to the bottom side as they are putting someone to the sword four or five goals as they did to Everton last time out. Um, it's, you know, certainly Spurs ha- haven't been as good this season as in the last couple of seasons, but you would still think that They've got enough in the midfield to, to sort of give themselves enough chances to win the game. But, um, you know, Arsenal do this. Arsenal go on these little mini- miniature revivals that last just long enough to get their fan base unrealistically optimistic again. And then there's some horrific crash back to earth. I think we're still on the upswing for them with the good feelings from Obama Yang and Mkhitaryan coming in that it wouldn't shock me if they got a result. Okay, I've just got it here on the BBC Sport website. Pick your combined Arsenal Spurs eleven. Oh, I hate that more than anything. And if we want to have talk about what people oh have God. done with that, that's great. But I that is so reductive and awful. I can't stand those. Oh, right, right, it, it's always interesting when, when uh, I've seen before. It's like it's the combined eleven, but ten of the eleven players are from one team. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you haven't thought about this. <laughs> All right, well, we won't do that then. Uh, okay, so uh, Arsenal supposedly weak away, but they've won 52 London derbies um, away in the Premier League. That's more than any other team in London, including yours, Ryan. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've got draw, I think, for this one. I think draw. Harry Kane would definitely score. Yeah. Uh, I think Aubameyang will definitely score. Um, but I see it being like 2 something like that. Well, Paul, Maybe Tottenham will get two two penalties again. Paul Merson thinks that he, that he might be a bit of a surprise to the um, Spurs team of Birmingham. Did you see that? He said that I don't think Spurs would have seen too much of Aubameyang before, so they won't, don't know what he's all about, despite the fact <laughs> just, that they've played each other four times in the Champions League in recent years. Yeah. Justin's reaction <laughs> tells the entire story there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Paul Merson is, I think, one of the dumbest pundits. The amount of things he says... That are completely infractual. He was one of my favourite footballers, though, growing up. He was a wonderful footballer, and I hate to see him now being such an arse. The, the only, the, I've heard a story about Paul Merson. I went to an event probably about two, three years ago. Um, Do you have to say allegedly in, a lot in this? In, no, no, in Manchester, and, and Harry Redknapp was there. And he, he sort of told some stories about some of his players. And he, there was one where he said, Paul Merson um, said, Gaffer, look, I'm on. I'm addicted to the alcohol. We've got some substance things, and I need some time away at another player's rehab. Harry ended up said, "All right, you know, just get yourself better, and we'll see you back on Saturday, or you know, have the next few days off of training." And he then got a call from his mate in, uh, I think it was Spain or like Magaluf or something, saying, "I've just seen your player here." Said, what do you mean, my player, Paul Merson? And he came back 
the Friday before the game with a massive tan. <laughs> didn't, go, didn't go to any rehab. That was great. Uh, elsewhere in the FA Cup, Birmingham City lost 4-1 at home to Huddersfield, who at home to Manchester United in the next round of the Cup. And Rochdale set up that home tie with Spurs by beating Millwall 1-0. Right, so bits and bobs of news. Right, who saw the Paraguay fan celebrating his team scoring a goal the other day? Bits I heard about it. I've heard about it, but not seen it. Yeah, he sniffed a little line of coke in the um, stereotypical South American way. Where's Jesse when you need her? Uh, Boa Vista fell foul of VAR the other day. Who saw this? Yes. Okay. They so they they scored a goal and uh, the referee went over to it's the game versus Aves. The referee went over to uh, consult VAR and couldn't give the goal because uh, a Boa Vista fan was waving a flag. Uh, and so he couldn't decide what had happened. Um, Rishet Storchkov was 52 this week. That's always worth a mention, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, is he? Yeah. By six months. God, imagine being born in the same year as Rishet Storchkov. That's pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> and Eric Cantona. That's and not... the and the year England won the World Cup. It was a good year for football then. <laughs> they say. <laughs> Uh, Andreas Karasteas is 38 this year so if you're a Greek that's for you um, I sent you guys a link didn't I to a, an El Salvadorian football match between Faz, Faz and Alianza uh, now the game finished 2-1 to Alianza but Faz won by 5 red cards to 1 did you guys read this that, or watch this video uh, I did it it, uh, it appeared to all kick off from a what looked to me like a phantom headbutt I don't mm. think there was yeah, it was a, it was fake, right? Um, the, the one guy went down clutching his face, having not been touched, and then really from that point, it looked like the normal argy bargy that you see in these situations. It didn't look like to me that there were punches thrown or anything like that, and yet the referee just started sending people off like he was getting a bonus for each one. <laughs> it just looked like lots of case, lots of niggly cases of dissent. There was no sort of yeah. pitch for sort. Of, there was no fight on the pitch, was there? Right, I almost when you when you sent the video, I thought, oh, this is going to be kind of gruesome and violent, and it was just what you expect normally when when a co- there's a coming together, and then lots of players get involved, and then there's grabbing and shoving. I, I didn't see much more than that except the referee, and he and he he just held up the red card and he kept it up and then started pointing to individual players, Rather which I he was not doing the whole. Oh, I'm going to lift my arm. Right, <laughs> he was he was saving his his shoulder oh. muscles, I guess. Yeah, I've just I've just seen that the fan that but it it doesn't touch it, it just goes over. Yeah. And yeah. Then, it wasn't quite Holland Portugal at the World Cup two thousand and six, was it? That's what I was sort of hoping for when I saw that. Yeah. yeah. It, it 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 seems pretty tame, but I mean I don't even see that much pushing and shoving when he's sending people off anyway. Yeah, there's just not that much to it and yet he's going mad with the sending offs. I think he lost control Sending of it, off. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Uh, well, look, thanks to Babagol, the ever, ever wonderful Babagol. If you guys follow them on Facebook or on uh, Twitter, if you don't already, then do it because they are truly wonderful. Um, Jay Rodriguez has been charged with racially abusing Gaetan Bong of Brighton, a charge which he is uh, absolutely vehemently denied. And Alan Pardew was sort of stuck up for him tonight as well. Um, I We obviously don't know whether he... What, he did or didn't say but to be accused of something like that and to genuinely believe you didn't racially abuse someone must be a pretty bad thing to um to be accused of 
Yeah, I mean, the, these sort of things don't normally come up out of the blue, though, do they? Um, I think we, we've seen enough examples in the past where, you know, there's strong denials coming out from people saying, I didn't say anything, and then when it's finally analysed and investigated, something was said, whether it was to, to the same degree that everyone's talking about, but some things obviously happened that someone wouldn't just come out and accuse someone or something like that, I, I don't think. No, it's a hell of a thing to be accused of, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, James, oh, James Travis is winning goal for Melbourne Victory versus Brisbane Raw. Ryan, you A-League nut, have you seen this? Oh God, I haven't, but he, he's been scoring goals for me on my on my save. Has he? Oh, he picks it up about 30 yards from goal. It's the winning goal. They win 2-1. Uh, and he gets it about 30 yards from goal and sort of closes his eyes and smashes. I definitely have to watch that when we're done. He's very good, isn't he? He, he is. And that's the thing. <laughs> I haven't actually been playing him. I only bring him on in games and he scores. There's a few hidden gems over there. There's quite Definitely. a few. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Minus Ninkovic has got an award for uh, for his goal last month, if you've seen that. That sort of Ricky Villa-esque goal. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, that was very good. Uh, right. Dimitar Berbatov. Uh, he scored his first goal in his seventh appearance for uh, Karega Blasters in the Indian Super League. Now, his teammate... Well, have a guess who his manager is. Former England goalkeeper. Went bankrupt. David James. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and his teammate is Wes Brown. And the game finished 2-2 uh, against ATK. And Ryan Taylor of Newcastle and Wigan fame God. scored for the other team. This sounds like a fantastic league. You, you, need to, you need to get scouting out there, don't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm pleased, though. I'm genuinely pleased that these league exists where these sort of players can get this insane payday. Yes. Um, because it might keep them off our televisions in the future. <laughs> oh, so you think punditry is going to be struggling because of all these big players? I just think there's already enough. Um, although I'd love Berbatov in a studio because I'm pretty sure he'd smoke. <laughs> I think David James is always overrated as a pundit. I just, you know, yeah. I always thought Dimitar Berbatov was overrated as a player as well. I never, I did, I missed the Berbatov bus. I'm afraid. I, I think that's probably bad. remember a, a certain hat trick that he he. Scored, but I, I don't. Well, he's not. He's he's a an incomplete player, but his touch is just so silky and gorgeous. Um, there's a there's a great YouTube compilation of just Dimitar Berbatov first touch and him bringing down these long clearances from the goalkeeper and things. He's so nonchalant and lovely to watch. You'd probably, probably drive you insane if he was, <laughs> you know, playing for you. He wouldn't run anywhere. That was the big. No, thing. no. It was. I don't think he can run anywhere, <laughs> and he, and he also doesn't seem like the result is anything near a priority for him. No, just as long as he gets a goal. But yeah, it's not like you know if he was in this current Man United team and Mourinho asked every single player to track back, he'd just be like, "No, I'm good. I'm Where good at stopping." <laughs> well, similar play, a similar style of play, but to to a lesser degree of skill, was a Delta Raptor QPR. And Neil Warnock said, if you get hung up on the things he can't do, he'd drive you insane. So just ask him to do the things you know he can do. And, well, I think that makes sense yeah. for a club of that size, like a club like QPR. He was a rare talent Yes. for that level, for a club of that size as they currently are or when they, Winterap was there. I do think you have to make allowances for a player like that when he brings something that nobody else in your club can bring. Berbatov's problem was always... That you know, bigger clubs don't have to indulge that. They've got other players who will do the tracking back and the other stuff too. 
Well, Newcastle's uh, David Ginola's big thing over here was people criticising him for not tracking back, wasn't it, when he was at Newcastle and Spurs? Um, they always used to criticise him for that, didn't they? But again, if you've got to play like that, yeah. Have you ever read what, what Gary Neville said about Ronaldo um, when he came to Manchester United and after after the first year or so of the senior pros, him and Rio Ferdinand and a couple others, sort of getting on him and trying to get him to be a little less selfish and track back and do more on the defensive side and get his head up and pass more. It took them a while, but they, they eventually recognized. And, and I think it, Gary Neville's quote was, he said this to the other players, it's it's time we let him do what he does. He's he's going to carry us to the very top of the mountain and we can indulge the things about him that we don't we don't really like we haven't had anyone like this before and and so uh, you know obviously if you're good enough it can just be indulged and he's right <laughs> yeah it was uh okay uh, a couple of other bits of bobs um usama tanane uh has cut short his loan move from st etienne to las palmas does anybody know why no uh he didn't realize that las palmas was an island and felt very isolated when he got there. <laughs> the most bizarre thing about this is that uh, the player in question is from Morocco. And of course, it's not a million miles between Morocco and um, Tenerife, is it? You know, I, li- I have, I've lived on islands for a, a significant chunk of my life. I, I grew up on Merritt Island, Florida, which is a large island, 30 miles long. Uh, but then I lived on small islands in the Florida Keys. And then, of course, I lived in New York City where Manhattan's an island. But um, I always liked the fact that, particularly in the Keys, on the smaller the island, I liked the fact that it sort of meant it was okay to not really do anything because you're just on this little island anyway. It's really great for relaxation. I think you should have given it more time. But you realized you were on an island, didn't you? Yeah, you can't forget that. Key West in particular is small enough that you see the sea from almost any vantage point. So you always know. Uh, Ryan, the England kit, you want to talk about that? Yeah, I don't think it's very good. <laughs> really? Why not? I just think it's a bit bland. What um, would you like? So, well, I don't know. This is that would be great in all fairness. Um, no, picture just, of I, your face on the front. Who wouldn't want that? I mean, yeah. you on. in the front and Martin on the back or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the red one. The red one's nice. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it like the the white one is just. It's just, it's, a, it's just white. It's got a red collar, but it's not really a collar. And I just, I was just expecting a little bit of something different. I don't know. Like what? They said the English home kit. Of course, it's gonna be white. No, I know, but I, I, I don't know. I want some variation. What, like dark white or? <laughs> well, Nigeria's kit. Okay, have you seen Nigeria's kit? I haven't, but describe it to us. Okay. Is it well, still green? It is. Well, they but, every color. <laughs> but no, no, no. But it's not just green it's like green and white i'm trying to have a look so it's sort of well green and white that's not too crazy is it that's what they normally play well there's like strips of arrows on it well like so arrows. it's it's very different and i'll tell you what i looked at that and i went you know what that's really different and really cool and i really like it and i'll put I'll, when I upload oh, i can see it the podcast that's very west germany italian 90s it, it is and I, that, I don't know. Just again, it's by Nike as well. So you would have the fact that Nike have done something so particular for Nigeria, and I'll put that on the podcast post. And just like, Nike 
especially this season, Nike's kits have all been the same. Like, if you look at Chelsea's versus Man City's, the, the, the style of the kit has been the exact same. Even the third kit is sort of the weird detailing. Do you know what I really like? It was Chelsea and Liverpool's 2009 Champions League kit. Because they're both designed by Adidas. Do you remember that? Yes. I really like those. Plus the font on the back as well. The, the letters on the back, they're very good. I remember that. That was a good kit. Yeah. Speaking of good kits, give us a twirl on that tracky top you're wearing. Oh, this is uh, this is official club gear. UNCW? Yes. So who are they? Uh, University of North Carolina, Wilmington. It's a very nice tracky top. Mm. Thank you. Has it got your name on the back? Has it got your initials? Like, like, sort of no, I, I'm actually really against the whole initials on the, the training wear stuff. Don't like it. No. Listeners, just for that, he's wearing a sort of uh, black and white Adidas sort of tracky top, I think is probably the best sort of way of describing it's that. Three so. quarter, a three-quarter zip top. Three-quarter zip top, okay. Um, right, going on in other European leagues, we've got in Spain. Uh, it's all over by the shouting as Barcelona are nine points ahead of second place Atletico Madrid. But um, fourth place is up for grabs because you've got Valencia on third place with 40 points, Real Madrid 39 points and Villarreal 37 points. So that's all up for grabs this weekend. Uh, again in Germany, Bayern Munich are well out in front by 18 points ahead of Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, and between Bayer Leverkusen second and one, two, three, four, and Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt in sixth there are two points. So it's looking pretty good there. And Red Bull Leipzig, who are one of those teams, play... Um, Oh, for God's sake, I've done it again. I put RBL versus Leipzig. That's not going to happen, is it? What are you team playing in there? This is what yeah. happens when you write podcasts while you're at work. Anyway, they're playing somebody. Uh, Bayern are playing Schalke uh, on BT Sport tomorrow night, Ryan. Uh, and Bayern Leverkusen are playing Hertha Berlin, which was one of my favourite TV, uh, favourite newspaper headlines when Brian Roy left Nottingham Forest to go to Hertha Berlin. This headline in the sun was Brian goes for a Hertha kit, which if you're a <laughs> fan of rhyming slang means something. Uh, Italy Napoli and Juventus are top Napoli on 60 points Juventus on 59 right now is the small matter of Fiorentina versus Juventus if you know the history behind that and why the two can't stand the sight of each other uh, and Gigi Buffon could be making his 500th Juventus appearance as well good yeah uh, Napoli versus Lazio which is first versus third uh, is tomorrow I think Ryan on your BT Sport uh, Inter in third, who have drawn at least their last five games, or in fourth, sorry, drawn at least the last five games playing Bologna, and uh, Roma playing the Witches of Benevento. Roma are in fifth place in France. Uh, PSG, who beat Sochu in the Cup on Tuesday or Wednesday night this week, when five foot six Danny Alaves went in goal. Who doesn't want to see that? Yeah, that was great. It was only for the last few seconds. He looked quite happy to be there. He sort of... He was in for a free kick, wasn't he? That was pretty much all he was there for after uh, Kevin Trapp got sent off. But he was sort of commanding the wall to move left and right, wasn't he? It was like he was. He looked there like for a he was doing. Yeah. So yeah. Did, when that happened, did he have to change into the goalkeeper kit? Oh yeah. Well, no, he didn't have. Did he have Trapp's kit on, or did he get another one? <coughs> I think he would have got another. Sorry, Justin's mm-hmm. just dying here, listeners. As I asked him a question. <laughs> oh, sorry. You got some chicken yep. stuck in your throat. <laughs> Um, I, I don't think he put Trapp's kit on, but he, they had to get him a goalkeeper jersey, didn't they? He yeah. can't wear the same thing as the rest of the outfield players. No, that's true. So he sort of, uh, we were talking pre-pod, weren't we, of 
Harry Kane going in goal, John O'Shea. Um, now Quinn. Now Quinn, you said save the penalty, didn't you, with his disco pants? Yep. Uh, so yeah, there's been a few cases of this before, haven't there? Um, it, it used to happen, obviously, a lot more before you could dress a goalkeeper on your substitutes bench. But, yes, it was yeah. always good fun to see, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great laugh. Uh, okay, PSG are top. Uh, they are 11 points ahead of Marseille, uh, who placed in Etienne. Um, Monaco, who were in third, are away to Angers. Fourth place, Lyon, who lost to 10-man Monaco last week. Um, they are home to Ren. Did you watch that, Ryan? No, I didn't. I told you to watch it. Oh, I'm sorry. Monaco went. It's Monaco versus Leon last week. Leon went two nil up. Monaco went down to ten men, brought it back to two two, and then scored a late winner. I'm just I, I, games on BT Sport. I just I, I just never check BT Sport. That's the problem. What do you do time. Sunday night? What do I do? What did I do? Um... What do you, do you do? Anything Sunday? Night? I do my ironing on Sunday night. You see? Oh, I don't. It depends. I don't normally do anything. No. It's a perfect time to watch it. It is. There you go. I mean, what do you do? You go watch like Antiques Roadshow or something, aren't you? That's totally me. Yeah. No, I normally just like watch YouTube or Netflix. Or oh, something. don't. You've got Italian team one side and you've got a French team the other. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure this Sunday. This I'm week. On this Sunday, you do it. Uh, right. We're going to go to Holland for a little bit because this weekend Vitesse Arnhem are playing Feyenoord. Uh, the reason I mentioned that is Robin van Persie scored his first. Eredivisie goal in 14 years against Groningen this week. Anyone seen that one? Because it's an absolute gorgeous goal. Didn't see it. I heard it was a great goal and still it, that didn't entice me to look it up. Alright, well I, I advise you to look it up on YouTube because he gets the ball with his back to goal, plays a little one-two and he receives the ball back on the sort of right-hand edge of the penalty area. Uh, he taps the ball one side of the player uh, and runs the other side and then lashes it into the, the net from about sort of 18 yards. That's a very good piece of skill to see. Um, Ryan, the A-League this weekend it is Melbourne City versus Sydney FC. That is uh, third versus first, so make sure you watch that. Yes. You will watch it. Will. <laughs> uh, well, I, I can't watch it because I promised my children I'd take them out to maybe buy a hamster this weekend. I feel uh, like I'm making an commitment. enormous mistake. Sorry? That's a big commitment. Yeah. Him. They promise they're going to end up cleaning the hutch. I don't think they will somehow. <laughs> I think I'm going to end up cleaning this hutch. Yeah, definitely. I know we did Spain very quickly, but do people realise that Real Madrid may miss out on the Champions League? Yes, they might well do, might they? I don't think they will, just because my brain really won't let me accept that idea. <laughs> Uh, but it's possible that they actually will. How about if they miss... Go on. I was just going to say, wait, wait a minute. If, if Bramadier win the Premier League, Premier with, League. with the way that Premier League um, sacked managers, would Zidane have already been gone? Depends who he's with, I suppose. No, so, so if it was the same, exact same situation with... Like, so oh, okay. Top club, missing out on top four, whatever, would... Because obviously, I think you see more sackings in the Premier League than you do elsewhere. Yeah, I think I think the only thing keeping him in the job now is is the thing that might keep him in the job, were this true in the Premier League too, is that he's a former le- a legend at the club as a player, and so he's got maybe a little grace built in because of that. Not to mention, I didn't really work for Southgate or anyone like that, did it? With the second time around, anyway. Well, he embroiled himself in mm. a, a controversy that that made his, mm. you know what I mean? That sort of didn't necessarily have anything to do with the football but um 
You're right, though, in general, Ryan. I mean, if you follow the Spanish media, I mean, it's an enormous story there. And Marca, the sort of Madrid-sponsored papers, um, I mean, it's a, he's, he's under an enormous amount of pressure, but, but they do seem less willing to make these changes during the season. Uh, Premier League clubs have always been really comfortable just sacking managers yeah. in the middle of the season. I think it helps if you're the greatest human being to have ever kicked a footballer. Well, uh, yeah, I alluded to that. He <laughs> <laughs> did. Why no? You said he was a legend. You didn't say he was the greatest ever. That's because I don't think he is the greatest <laughs> ever. As you well know, again, as you well know, I don't think that. I think he's among the. I, he's in my all-time best eleven. Oh, okay, fair enough. He definitely is. Yes, he's a massive cricket fan as well. Is he? No, as am I. <laughs> Right, should we get back to the Premier League? Uh, it's yep. the Andrew Johnson derby as Everton take on Crystal Palace. Um, I've written Everton with an arrow going down and Palace with an arrow going up here. Now, last weekend when Everton got their backsides handed to them by Arsenal, it seemed to be everybody else's fault apart from Sam Allardyce's. Isn't that always the way? <laughs> is that not the way that it always is with Big Sam or is any of this his fault? I mean, he's... A- Supposed to have them set up. What do you think of a Sam Allardyce team? You you, side. You you expect them to be difficult to beat, hard to break down, defensively organized, um, set up to play on the counter. They were none of those things uh, against Arsenal. They were fragile. They were pulled all over the place. There was appeared to be some players operating under different instructions than others in regards to how they were supposed to set up and their shape. I think you ha- he has to get the blame for that sort of performance. So you, I think managers are blamed too much, and they were sacked too quickly. But individual results can absolutely be put down to them sometimes, and I think that one has to be. So how do you think they're going to get on this weekend then, Ryan? Uh, Palace uh, last lost to Everton in 2005, which was under Ian Dowell. <laughs> Uh, Everton have won two, drawn four of their last six versus Palace. It's difficult because I think your your arrows that you've drawn are, are, are quite right. You know, Everton really aren't looking like the side that they they should be at this point in the season, especially with the, with the type of signings that they made and the amount of investment they had in the summer. Um, but then again, you know, I think. It's a difficult, it's a difficult one to predict. I think I've said draw for pretty much every game, <laughs> which is never going to help. But uh, draw. Well, if Crystal Palace win this game, they go a point behind Everton. Which, if you think the start they had this season, yeah, it's pretty extraordinary. I think that's the case for a lot of teams, though, because I think everyone when when Everton had that slight resurgence, um, when when Koeman left, they would they would because they were awful to begin with, and they were really low down. And then they were suddenly in, like, eighth again. And I think that just shows the, the, the gulf, not so, the, the, this relatively small gap between clubs in the Premier League this season in terms of point difference. Ronald Koeman, who is the national team manager of Holland this week. Yes. He's been appointed. I guess good for him, but <laughs> not got much to do for a while. <laughs> no. Uh, Stoke versus Brighton then. Uh, Stoke have won seven out of nine home games versus promoted teams. Although Taxman's friend Glenn Murray has scored five and seven games. He's one of these players that sort of goes on mazy streaks and then won't do anything for ages, will he? Um, Pascal Gross has been involved <coughs> in 52% of Brighton's goals this season. That's the most by 
any player in the competition. So they need him to be playing well, don't they? They do, yeah. Um, they've had kind of a new manager bounce, haven't they, Stoke, since they appointed Paul Lambert? They have. They've picked up a couple of sort of good points and, and sort of played a little bit more sort of resolute than they have all season. Yeah. Justin, what do you reckon to this one? I think this is. I think this is a home win. Jesse is back, or Jesse is back. Yeah, I, I would go with home win also. But as as we know, my predictions are generally woeful. <laughs> uh, right, bear with me. Who we got next? We got Manchester City versus Leicester City in the not quite Riyad Mahrez derby. Um, <laughs> he's back in training today. The prodigal. Isn't that amazing? Combat. That's news when a, a player is back in training. Or he's just stopped going to training and now he's back. I just I find it incredible that he he, he was fined and then you know I, I find it incredible that a player can just refuse to turn up to work. You should try it. I should just ring up on Monday. Wait, you know, I'm not coming in. You haven't granted me my my you know <laughs> my transfer to a different department or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, but I think the world of football is a bit different. I mean, if you turned up to your work and then you sort of work till three o'clock in the afternoon and then an IT person who'd been sort of practicing since nine o'clock came over and did the last two hours then you know <laughs> yeah it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the best <laughs> no that's the sort of football equivalent isn't it um i mean he's gone away and he's had his little strop well i can feel i feel sorry for him a little bit in the fact that you think of the players that have left for that title winning season the significant key players really all you've got left at the moment you've got uh vardy and casper schmeichel He's seen Danny Drinkwater go, he's seen Angolo and Kante go. Um, and not only go, but go and make sort of earn better wages and win titles in in Kante's case. So you can feel sorry for not going, can't you? I, I can, but at the same time, it was a difficult situation to be in anyway. And I think to, to pin all your hopes on a, a deadline day move when you're suddenly the, you're the target sort of 8 o'clock in the morning on that day to, to then just drop I think to afterwards I think you've got to understand that the club will be in a difficult position and and you know you know Venice shouldn't just sell him just because Man City need a player to replace Sané Do you feel sorry for him Justin? I understand him um, I don't know that, that I feel sorry for him I mean he one day his best memory in football will be winning the league with Leicester City uh, it doesn't if he goes to, if he gets his move to City Manchester City at some point he wins the league with them it's it's not going to be in even remotely the same ballpark of that now he may win the Champions League but um, I I understand it, it there's just a, a better way to, to handle it you have you have to trust that the people working on the deal will get the deal through and then if it doesn't when Chicharito wanted to move away from West Ham didn't get it and and just went right back to work and scoring goals on his return and all that. Um, there's just nothing to be gained by a strop. It, it, it's too late. The window's over. You can't force a move. All you all you're doing is engendering some bad feelings with elements of of the support that that love him. He's such a such a wonderful player. He's just so graceful and silky on the ball when he's when he's motivated and. Uh, of his sake, I hope he gets to move at some point because players should have some freedom to, to change clubs when their contract is up. Uh, but um, he hasn't got it uh, in this window, and I wish he'd gone about it a slightly different way. Okay, well, so this weekend then, uh, Sane, Jesus, and Mendy are all out. Okazaki and Morgan are out for Leicester. 
Manchester City are unbeaten in 25 Premier League games. Now, this could equal Chelsea's record of 26 this weekend. Um, Sergio, Didn't they just get beat by Liverpool? Home games. Oh, home games. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. That's right. Home games. Uh, Sergio Aguero has got 10 goals in his last six outings at home as well. Uh, and Leicester's last nine visits to teams top of the league are null point, scored three, let in 20. So, can we see... Well, this is definitely a gimmick. Really? This is one of the I would definitely accept. <laughs> yeah. Justin, I can't is, it is he right? Is he... I'm still hesitant to say that because because teams have spent a lot of effort on figuring out how to play City. And it, and it's it's gotten more difficult for them since the Christmas period. Um, and there's a blueprint now of... of things that can actually work and how to be a little bit more successful. And certainly they've gone through some injuries too. And so they've, they've, they've been missing some of their better players at times. Missing an extra sub as well. Uh, yeah. And that's funny too. I, I wanted to bring that up. We, we, I, if you saw Pep Guardiola's press conference <laughs> yeah. where he got defensive, he took his little jibe at Gary Neville. Yeah. That is a perfectly legitimate complaint for, for somebody in the media to have that you're incapable of filling your substitutes bench. Um, it's, I don't understand it. A League Two club could fill their substitutes bench. So, so I just I don't really understand the defensiveness over that. He could have named another player. It's also just taken that spot. That they, Man City have very recently been given it the big all that their their youth academy is fantastic. How much they've spent on their facilities and their youth team. Yeah, yeah. they have apparently no youth players available on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Yeah, it's strange. It's strange. So I expect that match day atmosphere. Like, you're not yeah. going to play them, but right. at least give them that that atmosphere. They can mm-hmm. get at least get used to it. You could I expect they'll the win crowd. the game. I expect yeah. they'll win the game, but I'm but I'm hesitant to call it a gimme. Oh, my favourite memories is when Leicester won the league. Is when they were winning three nil at uh, at the Etihad, and Jamie Vardy sort of went over um, and didn't get a penalty. And they got barret by the City fans and stood up and did the old 3-0 with his fingers and <laughs> laughed himself silly as he ran back to the centre circle. Huddersfield uh, versus Brighton. Huddersfield uh, are in rotten form. They've lost at least their last five. Uh, Brighton won three out of their last four. They're in the relegation zone for the first time this season, Huddersfield far. They have only scored in 14 out of 26 Premier League games so far this season. Oh, Bournemouth, sorry, not Brighton, sorry. Uh, Bournemouth won three out of the last four. Callum Wilson scored a hat-trick in this reverse fixture. Um, it's going wrong for Huddersfield and their gegging pressing, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we said the other week that they were sort of sitting off Liverpool, whereas what made them famous in the first place is this sort of hassling and getting in your faces. It doesn't seem to be working, this new policy, does it? It's such a risk. I always, you know, the thing about pressing is it's dangerous to both sides. But it's particularly dangerous if you're uh, trying to press energetically and you don't have any goals in your team. So, um, you know, when when City press teams, then there's every time they win the ball now, they've put the other side in this massively dangerous situation uh, so that the risk is worth it for them. Huddersfield, you know, with their 19 goals scored in in 26 matches played, whatever it is... um, there just seems to be a double risk at, at, to, to be pressing like that when you're so toothless in attack. So what are we going for here? Are we going for a Bournemouth to improve on their form at the moment, are we? I, I am. Yeah, they're ninth. I had them to go down this season. <laughs> yeah. I well, I mean, ninth only just... I mean, ninth is great. That's only just out of the relegation 
um, fight. Seven you know, points. If you, look, yeah. if you look at it, it really goes all the way up to all the way up to to, to West Ham in twelfth um, at on twenty seven points. That's only three out of the relegation zone. Yes. So it's it's terrific in the ninth, and they're playing really well, and I don't, they're not in any danger whatsoever. But the entire bottom half of the table is in a relegation battle. Yes, I've just seen that. Now you pointed out Watford are only eleventh or. Yeah, like said, on Bo- 30 points, yeah so that's... Bournemouth on ninth are only thirty-one points, aren't they? So yeah, yeah, not too many. It uh, seems to it's it seems unlikely to me that only three sides will go down this season. <laughs> they all will. They're very, they're very lucky that this is a strict <clears throat> mathematical equation, and there's no there's no subjectivity brought into it because a lot of them deserve to go down. If we change the rules so the bottom ten went down in the Premier League and the top ten of the Championship went up, that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Be very interesting. Would it, I mean, I think it would end up like a, a lot of the other European leagues, where the, the divide between the top teams and the, the lesser teams are a lot higher. But the well, yeah, because there would there would be such constant loss of revenue for the teams occupying the bottom half of the table because they would have been relegated in their recent history. I don't know if you know how South American leagues do it. Many South American leagues do an, an, a three-year average. Yeah, that's right. To determine relegation, and a lot of them are getting away from this because there have been seasons where a side has been in contention to win the title and be relegated in the same season because they did so poorly in, in previous years. Um, have they invented that, that in Argentina because of your beloved yeah, River Plate? Yeah, they did because River going down. And I believe that they're going to amend it in Colombia because it actually happened this... It's, it's happening right now in Colombia where you've got sides that are in line to win the title... And if they don't win the title, they're actually going to get relegated. Okay. Uh, right, Newcastle-Manchester United is the Keith Gillespie derby. Um, there's a very good podcast out this week. Um, it's like, uh, <laughs> Ryan, you'll love it. It's an evening with Rafa Benitez. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> but it's very interesting because he's up in Newcastle with a couple of times journalists from the northeast and and Rafa regaling us with his <coughs> fun over the last, sort of, with his years in English football. I'll wait to listen to that. <laughs> was that you on accidental? No, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Islam Slimani is a doubt uh, for Newcastle. Uh, Daily Blint, not Danny. Um, Eric Bay and uh, Fellaini are all injured as well. Um, Newcastle United versus Manchester United have conceded 92 goals, and this. Being on a Sunday, Ryan, um, will be the 200th Premier League game on a Sunday. Now, Spurs have lost 79 games on a Sunday. Liverpool and Everton have lost 72. And Newcastle are third with 70. So, with or without the statistic, were they always going to lose against uh, United? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> no, no, I mean, they've, they've been woeful, haven't they, Newcastle this season? They have. And Where are it, they? You can't imagine it getting any better at this point. No, they're 16th, a point out of the relegation zone. So it doesn't look particularly good for them. Just think, I'll make a case for them. This is St. James's Park. The Toon Army will be there on uh, the back of uh, the United players, and they won't like it up them. Yeah, I, I would like to make a case for them, but United have gone to St. James's Park and, and run a few goals in over the years. Um, I mean, you, you, you have to you have to stay in the game. If you're Newcastle, because you, you're again not a very high-scoring side, um, 
and a, this this Jose Mourinho United aren't aren't particularly easy to get at or break down. And even if you do that, they're still De Gea. So I can't see them scoring the two or even three goals I think they would need to score to win the game. Could they get a point? Yeah, I think they could. I don't think they will, but it wouldn't shock me if they did. Okay, sorry. I'm just looking at a tweet on here. Um, Whenever you have the slightest moment of weakness and think England can win the World Cup, just remember that this is our manager. Right, I'm just going to show you this. And then, Ryan, if you can describe what you're looking at. Okay. <laughs> that guy, so that's Gar Southgate. He's, he's kissing a streaker. Some description. Uh, it's a male description. If you look halfway down. Well, yes. I, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> he's kissing a male streaker. Um, I've never seen that before. Have you? No. <laughs> Justin, have you seen that? No, it's new to me. <laughs> new to me. I mean, it's always going to be ingrained in my head now. <laughs> How bizarre. Well, there you go. Uh, right, okay. Um, and lastly, then, is the... Uh, well, everybody derby because it's Southampton versus Liverpool. Jürgen Klopp joked this week he's going to have a full-time scout just watching Southampton, he thinks. <laughs> um, right, their win last week for Southampton was their first in 12. Now, Jürgen Klopp versus Southampton, he's uh, drawn three, lost three, won two. I've got a horrible feeling about this game. I'm not surprised. I think it's always whenever you, you, you play Southampton, there's always that whole the jokes about you know the, the players that you, you've bought from them. Yeah, and I think that always plays into Southampton's hands because Southampton always seem to want to perform better. But it's almost like look at we've moved on from those players. I I um I wouldn't worry about this one, Chris, if I were you, because um. I talked about having a blueprint to play City, but teams seem to have a blueprint to go to Anfield. They sort of know what they have to do to survive there. When they play them at home, a side like Southampton, I think, are going to try to go forward, try to play a little bit of football, and they'll just get torn apart. Well, this is at Saints. That's what I mean. But by them playing at home... Oh, sorry, okay. ...plays right into Liverpool's hands. Oh. I mean, sits deep against Liverpool, and you take the, the, the pace away to some degree effectiveness of pace but but by trying to be expansive and and have a go at them uh you just leave yourself open and uh, i can't see southampton coping with that oh, i feel better now there you go and who saw adam lalana's red card this week i saw it he saw it. choked a 14 year old that's <laughs> that'll teach him <laughs> is that more or less funny than eden hazard kicking a 17 year old ball boy Hazard was still funny. Yeah. I don't know that was still funny. <laughs> Joe, I saw it recently, and he still is brilliant. <laughs> he didn't even kick him that much. He kicked the ball. Yeah, he, he kicked the ball. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. It was better because the lad looked like Ollie Murs as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Manola gabbiadini has been linked with the movie already. He's only been there a year, hasn't he? He, uh, he has, but he, I don't think he's had the um, result that they would have expected from him. No, I think me and you are both Southampton football manager veterans, and um, I went there he's with high hopes not, of him. Yeah, he's, he's not he's not the player that I think he was in Napoli. No, unfortunately not. Okay, well, right, look, that brings us to the end of our uh, Premier Predictions, brings us to the end of our podcast. Ryan, plug this website of ours. Oh, which website? No, so um, manonthepost.com is the website, and there's there's a couple of, uh, of updates recently on it. So, obviously, all the podcasts are going up on there now. Um, with link to, links to Acast, um, but I have been updating my Melbourne victory. Dave, that you know you put me onto, Chris. Second season, 
So there's a couple of um, articles on there to read, and we're always looking out for more articles from listeners. So if you if you've got something that you want to write, send it through to Ryan or Chris or Ross at manonthepost.com and I'm sure we'll have a look and, and see getting, getting it posted on the website. As a podcast host, when he remembers, we'll email it over to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this. The problem is, is I write it and then I play more games and so it becomes out of date very quickly and you, then I forget to you, email it home. Why don't you just do like as, as a season update and then you can write the other part as a second update? Why does it have to be the same article? That's true. Okay. All right. Well, I shall, yeah. I shall do that then. I'm going to read your Melbourne victory one as well, as soon as yeah. I told you to do so that. I played, I played a cup final Do in my second season. I'm not going to spoil it for oh, you. Oh, okay. So just remind yeah. listeners of your challenge. So I've got to... So with Melbourne victory in the A-League, I've got to win the Champions League and everything else. But Asian, Asian the, Champions League. The Asian Champions League. Um, but by doing that, I'd have to win the cup and the league. Okay. Within ten years. Okay. The league's very difficult. The it, league is. So it's, it's, it's very hard, isn't it? But you know, go have a look. Go have a have a read. Um, so there's been two updates this week, and I've already played a couple of extra games. Have you still got Brisha in your team? No, he's gone. Oh, he, he, he went. He went after. The, he didn't play any. He didn't play very well. So my my stri- my striking options are very very poor at the moment. I'm not going to lie. Who've you got up front? Um, uh, some guy called Josh Gordon. Right. So, I think he used to play at Leicester on a free. Um, but if you want to know more, oh, no, I will read it. it. Yes, don't, 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 don't tempt me. Yeah, I will. I will, I will read it. Don't yeah. leave but, me any little. Yeah, the website's there, so if anyone wants to, as I said, anyone wants to ever post anything, let us know. Right, and if anyone wants to come on and abuse you on Twitter for selling best art, Bruce, how do they do that? <laughs> Tweet me at the Ryan Goodman. Okay, uh, Justin, if they want to um, speak to you about your fantastic trend top, how do they do that? Uh, it's Keepers Union, uh, Keepers underscore Union. Okay, no problem. Uh, at Man of the Post is the uh, Twitter account. We had a few updates this week on the Instagram account at Man of the Post, a few ugly goalkeepers. Uh, if you've got any suggestions at all, then please send them in to us at Man of the Post. Um, we'll be more than happy to receive some and, uh, and pass them on as well. Uh, I have no idea if Ross and the guys are back this week. It seemed like doing three podcasts in a row was probably a bit too much for them but if they are then uh, you can subscribe on iTunes and it automatically lands in your inbox you can follow on Acast uh, and it will automatically come into your uh, Acast box as well Um, and Podcast Republic isn't it Ryan? Yeah. Podcast Republic as well okay right Ryan thank you very much thank you Justin thank you very much thank you and always remember to keep your man on the post Uh,